Alright everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 30 of our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. We appreciate you joining us for another round of Dead Man Talking. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night here. Glad to be with you yet again for this exciting episode and joined, as always, by my tag team partner, Travis White. Travis, how you doing, my friend? I am doing great, man. I'm excited to get into 1997 here of the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, this is a great year. We got some good stuff coming up. We kind of wallowed through the sludge last year at the end with Undertaker's career and uh, going to pick things up. Business is about to pick up, as good old Jim Ross would say. Okay, but before we jump into this week's matchup of Undertaker versus Vader at Royal Rumble 97, uh, I know Travis and I wanted to catch up on a couple recent happenings uh, in our lives as wrestling fans. Uh, I know, Travis, uh, you got to go see some local wrestling uh back home uh so i thought you might want to share a little bit about that give a shout out to the local indie company you got to go see yeah i do um i got to go with my buddy jacob uh this past weekend and uh, we went to innovate pro wrestling they used to be part of the nwa uh, smoky mountain uh up here in east tennessee but they're um they're at innovate pw on twitter and it was a really fun show it was at a, a middle school um the main event was their champion devin driscoll versus nick aldis uh, Mr. Mickey James, Mr. NWA World Champion, um, Billy Corgan's champion for the new the the National Wrestling Alliance. So it was really neat. It was uh, the fans were really into it. This they they film these shows and play them on this the local CW affiliate at noon on Saturdays. And so there's actually storylines that build and there's factions. It's not just an indie show with just matches for matches' sake. They actually build stuff, which is really fun. But it was a cool show, fun atmosphere. Um, the guy said that. Kingsport was better than Morristown the week before, so who knows? <laughs> um, and it's funny because I just listened to uh, Talk as Jericho with Jericho and Kane, and they talked about Morristown yeah. most of the episodes, <laughs> or half the episode, and it's just funny because it's about uh, 45 minutes from where I live now, so it's just kind of neat how that all tied in. Um, but yeah, really cool show. You guys check them out on Twitter. They're really fun. Give them a follow. Maybe they'll follow us back too as well. So it was fun. Uh, support your local indie wrestling because, again, we're breaking down the career of the dead man. But um, he started in indie wrestling as well. And, and we've shown some of those clips on our social media accounts. And, uh, yeah, it all, you got to start somewhere. So it was That's good right. stuff. Uh, always go check out the local indie if you get a chance, if you've got one close to you. You never want to know when you might be seeing the next Undertaker. That's right. Um, exactly. And definitely go listen to that uh, Chris Jericho interview with Kane on uh, last week's Talk is Jericho. Really interesting stuff. Um, obviously, we haven't gotten to Kane yet, but he's going to be a pivotal part of this podcast uh, for the next uh, few years to come, no doubt about it, uh, and, and intertwined throughout the rest of the Undertaker's career and uh, shares a little insight about that. And, you know, Kane doesn't do a lot of podcast interviews. He's not one of those no. guys that you see popping up on all the wrestling podcasts. So uh, this was Probably the first one I've ever heard. I think I, mean, I know he did one with Jim Ross a little while back, but this was the first time I've ever really heard him do much of a shoot interview ever. So it was cool to hear yeah. a lot of that stuff it was neat. from him. Yeah, very cool. <clears throat> really neat. And again, to me, it was like, oh, I, I, I knew what they were talking about. We were talking yeah. about Morristown, Tennessee and stuff and Smoky Mountain because it's all up where I live currently. So it was pretty neat. So anyway. But tell us about your uh, your last week. It's, you've had quite an eventful one. I got to interact with a uh, wrestling legend. Uh <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Same level as Nick Aldis. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Maybe on a different level. I don't know. Who am I to say? 
but uh, the man himself, Tony Schiavone. Uh, he, uh, for those of you who don't know, I live in Smyrna, Georgia, right around Atlanta, and there, Tony Schiavone lives in Marietta, which is kind of, they run into each other, Smyrna and Marietta, while Tony hosts a local wrestling show here on the radio. He doesn't just do the What Happened When podcast with Conrad, he hosts Pro Wrestling Wednesdays on 92.9 The Game, they're on Twitter at PWW. 929. Uh, shout them out with a guy named Bo LeBlanc. And they're not on every Wednesday, but they're on a lot. And just kind of breaking down the current product, talking about uh, current wrestling. Uh, I saw that they were doing a live episode and recording, and they're going to be giving away tickets to the Raw before WrestleMania, which is here in Atlanta, and also some tickets to WrestleMania. So I decided to go and uh, dragged my wife there along with me to go sit through a three-hour wrestling radio broadcast. <laughs> and uh, had well, a great time. Well, somebody had to videotape it, man. Exactly. Somebody had to film it. Exactly. Part of the deal was they wanted you to dress up as your favorite wrestler and cut a promo to try to win these Monday Night Raw tickets. So uh, kind of batted around a few ideas. And I, I wasn't sure if I was really going to go or not because I didn't want to – I kind of didn't want to dress up as a wrestler in public in front of a lot of people, but <laughs> I think you pushed me towards it and my wife uh, yeah. pushed me towards it. So I broke out my standard Hulk Hogan costume that I've used many, many times in life. I uh, dressed up as the Hulkster. And you know, they always say a wrestler, you got to have your gear you know, with you. That's you right. Know, if you're going That's to right. a show. So you, you had your gear close I did. by. So. I did. <laughs> uh, there were some other good costumes there. A guy uh, dressed up as Roddy Piper, which was pretty perfect. And uh, a uh, Seamus impersonator, a Chris Jericho impersonator, Kevin Owens, a lot of good cosplay out there. And everybody who cut promos did an awesome job with Tony Schiavone. You can see mine on our Talking Taker Twitter and Instagram. I posted it on there. You can judge for yourself if I did any good or not. But they picked three of us to win Raw tickets, and I was lucky enough to win those. And then for the WrestleMania tickets, and, and you know, I got to cut a promo with Tony Schiavone, so, you know... Childhood the greatest announcement in right history there. of our great sport. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Come oh, on. yeah. What a fantasy right there. It was yeah, awesome. Man. And Tony was and, so nice. So cool. Well, and me, I was jealous too. Not that just that, but he's a Georgia Bulldog fan, as am right. I. So, you know, go yeah. dogs. So, good uh, stuff. Uh, but hey, the story doesn't stop there. Yes. yes There's they, more. They did a contest. Where it was doing WrestleMania timeline. So, it was you against another person. And they gave you four different wrestlers a piece, and they wrote a timeline on a uh, whiteboard. Your job was to try to put these wrestlers in order at their WrestleMania debut, and you had to get it exact. You had to get the year exactly right. Well, my envelope had – this was ridiculous, man. <laughs> I could tell you just about anybody, <laughs> but mine had freaking Lita, Tori Wilson, Mickey James and Molina. How about that? They, they were not Shoot. throwing softballs out there. But I knew Lita's. I knew Tori Wilson's because we were there for that live at WrestleMania 20. And I knew Mickey James was 2006. I could not remember Molina's. And I yeah. just took a wild guess and slapped it on there. Ended up getting it right and beating my opponent who got three out of four. Really nice guy too. Uh, felt felt a little bit bad. I just took a while to get. He got three out of four, and most people didn't even get three out of four. Uh, he probably would have beaten a lot of other people, but didn't beat me. Oh, wow. I got a four out of four and won <laughs> some tickets to New Orleans. Two tickets to New Orleans for WrestleMania 34. How about that? Woo. 
Two Ticks Paradise, man. That's awesome. Yeah, and you sent me a text, and I immediately called you. It was way past midnight, but I called you anyway because I was so freaking excited. (laughs) So, yeah. So. And uh, I know I invited you to come. I don't know if it's if it's gonna work out or not. I know it's short notice, so I guess we're still working out the details to see if that'll happen. But yeah, it's fine with me. But I gotta figure it out with the boss man. Yeah, big boss man at work. Not not my wife, my actual (laughs) boss man. So my job is unique, and I have to work when I have to work, and it is what it is. But we'll see. I'm gonna talk to him this week, so we'll see. We'll let you guys know, you listeners. Let you know if we're both going or if Alex is going to go and take somebody else or whatever. But I'll be there in spirit if I can't be there in person. Yeah, so. and Talking Taker will be on the ground in New Orleans at Absolutely. Superdome. So if you're up in the <laughs> 600 section up on the top of the dome, come by and say, hey, uh, we'd love to see you and talk to you there. Excited about it. Um, and real quick, I want to shout out um, a fellow podcaster that I met at the uh, Pro Wrestling Wednesday event. She is on Twitter uh, at JW Meatballs, uh, met a super nice uh, uh, woman named Jamie. Uh, she hosts a podcast called Heck in a Sec. So uh, another wrestling podcast out there where she uh, gets she gets a different friend in there every episode who has not watched wrestling, who's not familiar with wrestling at all, and they watch a uh, pay per view current product. And we get that perspective of someone who doesn't watch wrestling and along with her perspective. It's really funny. It's entertaining. I, wa- I listened to the Elimination Chamber episode that uh, she just released. And de- definitely a lot different than our show. And uh, But it was a lot different than a lot of wrestling podcasts out there. So, sure. Uh, it was cool. Uh, she was super nice. So go check her out at JW Meatballs or Heck in a Sec on the uh, podcast apps, whatever you go listen to podcasts to. Good stuff. Well, we thank you guys for listening, and you guys enjoy the rest of our episode here we have for you. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. You know, there's uh, uh, so many of the Undertaker's most historic, most memorable moments come in the year 1997. It's a huge changing of the guard. Maybe uh, you could argue the most legendary, the most memorable year in WWF history in a lot of ways. Uh, some of the yeah. biggest moments, uh, the beginning. And uh, the biggest moments of the Attitude Era take place in 1997. Uh, and, and, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, I know both the, you and I have been going through uh, a lot of the episodes of Monday Night Raw and pay-per-views uh, kicking off 1997 as we prepare for this. And we've both just been awestruck by how much action is taking place, how many things are going on, the uh, wild and craziness of uh, 1997 so far. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, again, because... 1997 was when I came back in full time. Not quite at Royal Rumble time, a little bit later, but it's when I came back in full time. Cause so this year has a special place for me, becoming like a full time fan again. Um, this is the year that you and I met. We began our friendship. Uh, a lot of cool stuff, man. But yeah, these episodes are raw. Um, not necessarily here, but later on as we go through the year, are <laughs> uh, really start to pick up, man. Good stuff. They're really trying to compete with Nitro because they're getting their butts waxed by Nitro every week. So. They are, yeah. they are, absolutely, and uh, we're going to see the evolution of that here in the weeks to come as Monday Night Raw becomes Raw is War, um, and then we also see the beginnings of the Attitude Era in another way with the rise of Shotgun Saturday Night, which is mentioned quite a bit as we build to Royal Rumble 1997, although The Undertaker's doesn't really get involved in that uh, until next month, so we'll probably talk about that a little bit in the build-up to our next show. But uh, an interesting thing takes place here as we are wrapping up 1996, the uh, final final 
moments of The Undertaker in 1996 heading into 1997 is, weirdly enough, they're trying to re-emphasize the Superstars show. Uh, and so a lot of the build for this match that we're going to be talking about today, Undertaker versus Vader from Royal Rumble 1997, a lot of it actually takes place on Superstars. They've moved Superstars, which was used to be their... Uh, flagship show uh it took place uh or it aired in syndication so uh which means that it aired on different stations all over the country different times usually on saturday mornings for most places uh, i think that's what it aired for uh for us in augusta most of the time but now it is exclusively on the usa network on sunday mornings it's taken the place of the Sunday morning time slot that used to be the Action Zone on USA. It used to be All-American Wrestling. Now they have Sunday morning superstars. And uh, whereas superstars used to be all these squash matches uh, a lot of the times, now they're trying to make it more action-packed and do a lot more uh, features, a lot more angles on there. And so they've shifted the build for the Undertaker's next match, uh, a lot of it to superstars. So it's pretty interesting to see. Yeah, it is. And in fact, I actually missed some of that because I'm so used to just checking out Raw, Raw, Raw and Raw episodes. And so I actually missed some of this stuff. So I'm glad you checked all of it out. Yeah, like I said, I, it was so unimportant before this. And now they're really <laughs> trying to reemphasize it. Kind of like a few years ago when they brought up uh, they, they did main event. So right. main event and they had like CM Punk and like Sheamus was on there and CM Punk will be on there and all these big stars and. I think Cena was even on there, but then like a couple weeks go by and they start to like not care about it anymore. Oh so. yeah, I mean the wrestling is so cyclical, especially the WWF yeah. and Vince McMahon. You know, he did this with with superstars, did this with um, Sunday Night Heat used to be very important for a little while and then fizzles out, and then Shotgun does the same thing and main event and uh, all these different shows they'll bring up and make a big deal. Two hundred five Live even uh, has gone through Smackdown. Its cycles. Smackdown, unfortunately, <laughs> very very true. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, yeah. this stuff is hard to find. Uh, the superstars footage is not on the WWE Network now. I believe for some trademark reasons with the superstars name and branding. So uh, you got to find it. You got to search for it on YouTube and Daily Motion to see a lot of these clips. And I even I couldn't even find all of them. But uh, going through the history of WWE.com and then just searching on YouTube, able to find a little bit of this build because you know you and I both. Uh, we, we like to go through the Monday Night Raws on WWE Network as we as we build into these matches. And I was watching it. I was seeing there's not a lot of build to this Vader feud. Undertaker's not on there a lot after yeah. <laughs> In Your House It's Time. So I'm thinking there's got to be something else to be building up this feud. So I searched. Uh, and apparently it all starts on the December 22nd episode of WWF Superstars. And that is where uh, we get you know, a real barn burner of a match between The Undertaker and Fake Diesel. Uh, so a historic match uh, and a really cool match for a lot of reasons, obviously. The Undertaker facing off against his future brother, uh, the man who would portray Kane. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty neat. But it's a real short match, a real basic match. Um, but the drama, the excitement comes when after the match, uh, Vader runs out and attacks The Undertaker. Is there any reason for that? No, there's not really any reason that I found. Uh, you may I found it on YouTube, and I'll post it on all our social media and stuff. But yeah, they just start double teaming Diesel and Vader both, and, and Diesel uh, holds up Undertaker for Vader to punch on him. So yeah, it's just like 
that's the next feud. That's who Vader is going to be calling out now is the Undertaker. He wants to bring him down. And uh, the show goes off the air that Sunday morning with Vader hitting a Vader bomb on the Undertaker on Superstars to kick off their feud. Yeah, just one of those that just kind of happens all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, nowadays they start feuds with matches. And they have a match and they feud about it later. But so they got, at least here they didn't have a match. They just beat him up for no reason. I so. guess so, yeah. Whatever. Vader's trying to make a name for Vader himself. Vader's giving away... Yeah, better than giving away the win and the loss. Maybe he's just mad because he beat up his friend Terry Gordy. I don't know. And maybe he's mad because he wasn't even on the pay-per-view that was named after him. (laughs) That's true. It could be. Take it out on the dip, man. So So their feud uh, (laughs) continues the next week on December 29th on Superstars. I couldn't find a video of this, but uh, according to the results, apparently Vader took on Savio Vega, and The Undertaker sort of... uh, spiritually interfered if you will by uh, <laughs> playing with the lights and coming out uh, over the intercom as voice entered the arena and and said he would be coming after vader and he was going to meet the reaper meet the dead man at the royal rumble so sort of making that matchup official that they're going to face each other at the royal rumble and it's impressive that he can make matches this is where the whole power of the wrestlers can make matches comes from i guess maybe so nowadays everybody does it but yeah like you said he had, he had a spiritual run-in that's cool spiritual <laughs> interference he's One not way to person he's not there yeah he's not there in the flesh he's just there in spirit so yeah i like that <clears throat> well then the next night on raw is where i actually did pick up my part uh of the research here, September 30th is a promo between Brett and Sean uh, in the again because Sean is or Brett's just come back Survivor Series and had that match with Stone Cold, and so Brett and Sean are in the ring talking about both being number one and uh, they want a shot at the title. And Sid comes out and says, uh, "Well, I've beaten both of you, so I'm ready for some real competition." <laughs> basically, which honestly, that's I mean I don't know if that's a he, he's babyface kind of ish, but um, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of cool. It's just kind of matter of fact. Like, well, I beat you, and I beat you, so let's move on to something else. Um, and at that point, uh, the gong hits, and the lights go out. And the crowd, which town there, the crowd loves it. Um, and Undertaker makes his way out to the ring here. And on his way to the ring, Vader attacks him. And uh, in my notes, I have for no reason, but I didn't realize there were some superstars built up before this. So it makes more sense now to me that uh, Vader is attacking yeah, like I said, if you're just watching the Raws building up to this, it, it kind of comes out of nowhere. But uh, yeah, they, they don't talk about it as much, but a lot of the no. build for this is happening on Superstars. So it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, and, and like you said, Sid's a real interesting character at this time. Yeah. And we're going to see that again uh, in the months to come through early 1997. But he is, I mean, he's a, he's a face. I mean, everybody's cheering for him, but he's definitely in that tweener mold. Uh, you know, he just kind of cares yeah. about himself. Uh, he's not a traditional baby face, uh, but the crowd loves him. The crowd responds to him. They love to see him beat people up, man. And that's kind of, yeah, yeah. that's the story of Sid right there. You know, he's never been like the most prototypical wrestling performer or character. It, you know, he's got rough around the edges in a lot of ways, but man, wherever Sid has gone and wherever he's been, he's always been over. Like, you oh, can't yeah. deny that. Uh, the Absolutely. crowd responds to Sid for some reason. He has this connection. <laughs> oh man, yeah. We're not gonna do a talking Sid episodes or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, I could listen to Sid talk now. His promos <laughs> are incredible. They're something else, man. We should, 
We should do instead of TED Talks, we should do Sid Talks. Ooh. <laughs> I'm Sid saying things. Anyway, um, kind of like a modern, or I guess Braun Strowman's kind of like him. People just love to see Braun Strowman beat people up. They don't care if he's a good guy or bad guy. That's kind of how Sid was. Yeah. People yeah. just respond to him. You're right. So I agree. I anyway, agree. but um, at this point, uh, Undertaker kind of knocks Vader down, and he goes face-to-face with Sid, which is a little foreshadowing of stuff to come yes. uh, as we enter toward WrestleMania season. But at this point, I don't think I don't really think that was in the cards, um, or maybe that match was, but not for the titles. We're we're gonna see lots of stuff changing here after Royal Rumble. Yeah, you know, like you said, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily being foreshadowed in that sense, but yeah, this whole segment is kind of a preview of what we're gonna be seeing here uh, on the road to WrestleMania. A lot of these guys, uh, their roles, their um, place in the company uh, like the, the whole main event is kind of surrounding these guys in a lot of different ways and a lot of it's going to shift and uh, there's a lot of chaos going on behind the scenes uh but yeah, yeah. In one way or another these four or five guys uh, are kind of the focal point along with stone cold steve austin as well yep so yeah and that's kind of how that episode that's the build-up on that episode so um i think taker just pursues him up the pursues vader up the ramp at the end that's kind of it um, and that the next week, us, though, yeah, superstars to yeah. Sunday morning superstars <laughs> again. again uh, to you know, I, I think arguably one of the most historic uh, main events of all time, as the Undertaker in a real match headlines a television <laughs> show against the Goon on WWF <laughs> Superstars on January fifth, nineteen ninety seven. I can't believe. Oh. That's a real thing that the Undertaker Man. fought the goon in 1997. That's ridiculous. This is what we're talking about. So we're we're still getting out of that new generation cartoony character area, you know, with of the World Wrestling Federation with guys like the goon. I mean, this dude has ice skate boots. Like they're <laughs> boots that are made to look like ice skates. And he's in there with Undertaker, who used to be hokey back in 92, right. 93. But now, I mean, he's got the teardrop tattoo, but other than that, I mean, he's a little more legitimate looking and like a wrestler, you know? And so it's just, golly, it's so weird. And those of you who are listening and may know this or not know this, Chris Jericho has said, uh, I believe it's one of his books and even on his podcast, said that he he's pretty sure he was supposed to be the goon. I think Cornette called him and asked him to come in because he'd work at Smoky Mountain Wrestling with him. Right. And um, and. Luckily, Jericho turned that down because he knew that this. Um, he was told that this was a, 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 a gimmick that was upcoming. So, anyway, can you guys imagine what Chris Jericho's career would have been? Or, or this could have been Chris Jericho versus Undertaker on Superstars. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, I don't think even Chris Jericho could have made something like this work. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't think the idea in theory is a terrible character, like a hockey player who wants to be a wrestler, like a tough hockey fighter like that's not the worst idea in the world i've ever heard of for a character but the right the skating the ice skate boots, boots. which are absurd uh <laughs> the name the goon i know that's like a term in hockey for a fighter but it's just like it's also just a goon a goober an <laughs> idiot like that doesn't yeah. translate to people who don't watch hockey uh exactly. and then the guy who plays him uh, is kind of he wrestled in world class for a long time. Bill Irwin, he just I don't know, man. He doesn't look tough to me in that role. He just looks like an idiot, and he's got a giant hockey jersey on, so he just looks like he weighs 
150 pounds. Uh, I don't know, man. Nothing about it works. It's just, to me, it's one of the silliest characters of all time. Not If he had been around for a lot longer, he would have reached IRS levels for me. Sure. But, you know, he, he's right up there, even in just a short amount of time. But, my goodness, man, this match, it, like I said, it's, it's going to be on the social media uh, for Talking Taker on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that. It's short and sweet, so just watch it because it's ridiculous. Uh, he actually, yeah. they, they even do a ref bump in this match so that the goon can use his <laughs> hockey stick, uh, which I was like, oh my gosh, are they going to protect the goon uh, right. watching this? But Undertaker no-sells the hockey stick shot, uh, hits the goon with it, and definitely gets the clean pinfall on there. Uh, but that's not yeah. the most interesting part. Uh, the actual interesting part is that Jim Cornette is on commentary for this match. Jim Cornette being Vader's manager at the time. Uh, and he is saying that he's got a special gift for The Undertaker during this entire match while he's on commentary. Uh, and he also, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, they do the corner cam in this match. Yes. And <laughs> Cornette calls it Corny's corner cam. Uh, and... Uh, I think Jim Ross is on commentary with him. He said, I thought that was King's wow. corner cam. And he says, no, nah, man, not on Sunday morning Superstars. Yeah. Corny's corner cam. <laughs> oh, awesome. Cornette's so good, man. He's so good on commentary. He's such a heel, man. It's awesome. I oh, just Because yeah. I, I did actually watch this episode of Superstars. Um, I found this one. But, uh, yeah, he's he's really selling the match against Vader for Taker 2, and he's just healing it up on commentary. And, yeah, like you said, he keeps saying he has a surprise. Got a surprise for Undertaker. And back then, this was when they – they had the um, commentary booth, like, kind of how they do on Monday Night Raw now. Right. Raw Nitro did. Um, yeah, for away superstars. From the ringside. Yeah. Yeah. He says that. This is the reason Mr. Walken is because Vader hadn't tried to put you down yet. But when he does on the 19th, then we're going to stuff you in one of your very own body bags that I'm providing here as a service to you. And they're going to carry you out of the Alamo Dome like that. This is bringing something old school because we haven't seen a body bag for Undertaker in, what, five years? Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, so um, Undertaker brings the lights down and kind of disappears and bring the lights on because he has to walk up the commentary because, again, it's up by the entrance ramp. So um, as the lights come back up, he's standing behind Cornette, and Cornette just selling it like a million bucks. He's so good. Um, he jokes Cornette. Um, Undertaker does and takes him back to the ring. So he had to walk all the way up there, get him, and then bring him Carry all the way, him back, all the way the back to the ring. Um, yeah. Quite the workout exactly. for the Undertaker. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then he just eats a huge tombstone from the Undertaker here. Uh, and he's, and I think it's JR is on commentary with him. He's just, Cornette is out. Cornette is out. Oh, yeah. Cornette. Jim Ross is loving it. Seeing yeah. Cornette uh, <laughs> yeah. get the tombstone, and then Undertaker stuffs Cornette in the body bag and. Uh, I'm sure that was a huge rib on Cornette. I, like they probably left him in the body bag for a long time, and I can just imagine him, him screaming and yes. shouting in there. Well, on that on that Pritchard episode, Nine Five Nights and Undertaker, he mentions that he said that he said that Cornette hated it, absolutely <laughs> hated being in that body bag. So I'm sure they left him in it backstage, which is hilarious. That's just to hear him, like, man, I'm in the body bag. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, but. But um, JR's like, where's Vader? Which is a good question. Yeah. Where is Vader? Well, that's point? actually going to play into the matchup that we're going to see. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Jim Cornette taken out there by The Undertaker. 
Uh, and then um, the final build takes place on Raw. What episode is that? Or what day? Is uh, that? January thirteenth, nineteen ninety-seven. Okay. With the Honky Tonk Man, that's on commentary. <laughs> Golly, man, he's on commentary with Vince. Are you kidding me? I was like, what is going on here? See, so yeah, Honky Tonk Man's back in the World Wrestling Federation doing some commentary with Vince McMahon. His idea was that I don't know. Uh, this is Undertaker's crush. Is he Kona crush at this point, or is he? Nah, Stone man, crush? he's Jailbird crush, Nation of Domination yeah. crush, I believe. Yeah. Um, Which begins yeah. sort of a sort of a side feud with Undertaker and Nation of Domination that yeah. uh, it's going to play out here over the next couple months. It's going to have quite a lot of interaction with them, and then lead to a pay per view main event. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so strange, mm-hmm. strange things here. Um, Undertaker attacks Crush in the aisle at this. I guess he's just angry. I don't know. He comes in and beats him up in the aisle. Um, and I, this match is nothing to write home about. But these no, guys are it's friends. it's a TV match. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Getting in there with his, his BSK brother, you know, Bone Street crew or whatever they call him. Right. Uh, friend. So, yeah, Taker wins after DQ. Uh, he has a horrible-looking choke slam on Crush. Crush takes it about as good as Hulk Hogan did in 2002. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then uh, Vader gets to run out and uh, get the beat down on Undertaker, and that's how the show goes off the air. Going into the build, that's the go-home show for World Rumble 1997 is is Vader uh, beating up Undertaker to go off the air and sell their match. Yep. So it's one of the marquee matches for the Royal Rumble, and uh, Undertaker as well is going to be involved in the Royal Rumble match. Uh, and we'll talk about that here uh, after a little while, uh, talk about yeah. how we'll cover that. Um, but yeah, the, the big match that we're covering today is going to be Vader Undertaker World Rumble 1997 from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Yeah. January 19th, 97, Alamo Dome in San Antonio. It's a spectacle, man. Really? I remember saying back at SummerSlam 92 what a spectacle it was to see that many people. And so this is the same because at this point, um, business is down for the WWF, uh, financially. The way they're able to sell out this, um, or pay for the tickets. I don't know what they did, but there are 60,000 people there. Um, it's really impressive for, you know, uh, a January pay-per-view here. It sells itself, but... Uh, it is pretty know, awesome. It's just see. really cool, and it's a cool story because Shawn Michaels, you know, the hometown boy getting his match against Sid, so works out great. But I do want to say the Raw went off the air. When Vader jumps off the ropes and he lands on the guy and splashes him, it's called a Vader bomb, right? Yes, Let's remember that as we get into this match. Okay. Because I would like for Vincent Mann to know that. So, anyway. Mr. <laughs> we'll Mann says a couple things that I have to question in this yeah. match. So, I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. Uh, but, yeah. you know, this Royal Rumble 1997 is special. Uh, it's If you've never seen it before, it is, it's one of the biggest crowds in WWF history, uh, I believe. Uh, they even went back yeah. there for the Royal Rumble in 2017. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, it's special because one of the people in the crowd is country music superstar Colin Ray. So I don't know if you mm. saw him being interviewed, but Todd Pentengill interviews uh, Colin Ray of uh, Little Rock fame. Uh, one of my favorite country music artists, man. Good to see him there. This match up, um, we've got uh vince jr and king all on commentary and their uh, cowboy get up yeah. of course, for the alamo dome i miss those themes man they should dress up like themes when they do pay-per-views nowadays i agree this is brought this is brought to you by starburst fruit twist by the way yeah starburst fruit twist roll rumble so, <laughs> just so you know um and one thing that's uh, as as we get into the match um 
the commentary is building this up uh, in a couple different ways. They're foreshadowing a couple of things that are going to be happening here. Uh, for one, they make a point to note that Jim Cornette is not with Vader as he's coming out, uh, still selling that beating from The Undertaker on Superstars and selling something else that's going to happen in this match. And they yeah. also make a note that The Undertaker, uh, JR says, The Undertaker has had his most challenging matches at the Royal Rumble. He's had bad luck at the Royal Rumble, uh, like noting that he lost to Yokozuna in 1994 and he lost to Bret Hart in 1996. And so uh, the Royal Rumble has been uh, not his favorite spot to compete. Uh, so foreshadowing something else we're going to see here in this match. Yeah. I thought it was a good subtle way of building up the storylines yeah. that we're going to see here. It was cool. And JR is so good at that. Yeah, I wrote that down too. It's um, it's like Royal Rumble to this kryptonite, man. He right. just can't. You know, it's always got his, it's his Achilles heel, if you will. Um, but I want to say, did you notice the match? This is the third match on the card right after, um, I think Ahmed Johnson's butt cheek won a match before this. <laughs> What's wrong with that dude's pants, man? They don't fit. Every, every raw. And every time I see him, his, one of his cheeks is hanging out. Oh, but, but he's always got notice? more pads somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see him, he's got a different elbow pad, thigh pad, bicep pad. <laughs> Something, something new. I'm surprised he didn't have headgear, but he couldn't get his pants to fit. <laughs> but did you notice so as Vader's um Vader's about to come out again, like you said, with no cornet, and Baruch's doing a promo backstage, and he calls Ahmed Johnson an Uncle Tom. Yeah. And I was like, holy cow! Like watching that this you know in 2018, I was like, man, that does not age well. Like, oh goodness gracious. So man, I tell anyway, you what, I'm up to. Uh... I, I just finished watching WrestleMania 13 this morning, so I'm, I'm a bit ahead of uh, our progress here. But I don't know if this is a popular opinion or unpopular or not. But first of all, I was a huge Ahmed Johnson fan when I was a kid. Like I thought he's just incredible, like charisma. Like I know he can't understand a word he says, but I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he just felt real, man. Yeah. Like he was not scripted. He was just like intense. Uh, and this I, this feud with Ahmed and Nation Domination. It is unlike anything I've ever seen on WWF mm-hmm. before. It's very gritty. Like you're saying stuff like, "Wow, I can't believe they said that." It feels yeah. very authentic and real. Um, it's I, I, to me, it's really good. Like it's really different. Uh, still, it's ahead of its time even now. It's sure. very gritty and realistic. And they they have a match at WrestleMania 13. We'll talk about on, on that episode. That is, <laughs> it's wild, dude. It's wild. Yeah. But. Uh, but that was one of my surprises going back and watching some of this stuff. Is I, I got into their little feud. It was, it was cool. <laughs> it's funny because yeah, it seems legit. But um, back to Undertaker as we're here talking to. I just had to mention Ahmed Johnson because his his pants get smaller and you know, you're right. He gets more padding everywhere else. But <laughs> um, it's a really long rampway here at the Alamo Dome. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you guys, those of you listening, remember last year's Royal Rumble was the same place. Like you said, uh, it took a long time to get there to the um down the aisle. So um. The Undertaker's entrance here, he, he's walking really slow. Too. It reminded me of old school Undertaker. You know, we've seen him. We keep saying it's a new side of the Undertaker. Um, but he's walking really slow, kind of just, you know, uh, trouncing down the aisle real slow. Kind of reminiscent of the old days. And uh, there's a camera shot from, from underneath him, kind of making him appear larger than life, mm-hmm. you know, real big. It's really cool, like, production value. Um, and as he walks up the stairs, did you notice that big ring of lights in the, yeah. in the ring? Yeah. About, like, the scaffolding? So there's this really cool like camera shot 
behind the Undertaker, and he's on the stairs. <clears throat> he goes and he raises his arms up, and as he does, that's when the lights come up. But it's this like UFO ring <laughs> hanging above the wrestling ring, the circle, and all the lights come up. It's really cool, but then it just goes up into the ceiling. I mean, it was literally only there for Undertaker. No, no, Which they I, they used it for oh, John yeah. Michaels and Sid and. Okay. So they did that okay. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, well, I apologize because I watched that, but I must have been dealing with my kids when I when their entrances and stuff. But anyway, I was like, "Wow, what a like, what a production though." Even even if it is used for those guys too, like he got it, you know, as yeah. well. So I don't know. It felt pretty cool. It did. Um, that, it, that lighting it made, He had a really spectacular entrance. You know, it's not like they have those lights, but it's not the special effects and stuff that we've seen at WrestleMania right. over the years. But it's still pretty spectacular and and long yeah. and uh, powerful. To have him, you know, nobody makes an entrance like the Undertaker. We've nope. are, we're already seeing that here, yeah. uh, even in 1997. Uh, so it's pretty cool to see. Um, and <laughs> I, I said some good stuff that Jr. said, but he also says the weights of the two competitors here. Yeah, which, <laughs> he says Vader is 458 pounds and the Undertaker is 328. And I mean, I don't have a scale. I don't know, but <laughs> to me, you're at, that's got to be at least like 50 pounds for both those guys, like. Easily, I mean, Vader's huge, but 458. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I sure. Just thought I was, yeah, That's I, bewildering yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> Might have kayfabe those weights a little bit, but yeah, he may have. So, this match starts uh, the way a lot of Undertaker matches begin. He's got his back to the guy, taking his jacket off and stuff, and uh, the guy attacks him. This guy being Vader, yep, comes to. Attack from behind, but Undertaker's learned a thing or two in the last seven years of being attacked from behind, and he sidesteps. And I believe Jr. says that Vader is bewildered at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jr. says that Vince keeps talking about the uh, Vader's girth. All right, coming off in again, and using again his sizable girth. Like the first few minutes, yeah. of this <laughs> that's his word of the day uh, today is like the girth of Vader. He's so girthy. <laughs> It's an odd word. No. It's it on a, his calendar that morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Girth. Um, <laughs> Look at his girth. <laughs> using his girth, and uh, he does yeah. use his girth. He keeps bumping uh, Undertaker down, and Undertaker keeps sitting up. They do that over and over again, kind of start things out. Uh, they fight outside for a couple minutes, and then um, Undertaker busts out a move. I've never seen him Undertaker use before. A new move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are we talking about the same one, the double axe handle off the apron? No, that's not what I was talking about. Oh, I'm talking about the double axe handler off the apron. Oh no! Oh, I know what that. You're day, about I don't care about that. that. I care about the oh, no. uh, the famouser that he pulls out. Yeah, on Vader. that was sick. Yeah, he hits a famouser or a rocker dropper, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I was, I just was, wow, man. Like he's again went to wrestling school here. That's right. So man. yeah, I thought it was really neat to see him showing some different wrestling skills. So um, he hits a body slam and hits a leg drop. And I think it's funny because Jr. here he goes, he's he said, I've never seen anyone do a leg drop like Undertaker. I guess he just missed Hulk Hogan's entire <laughs> run World Wrestling <laughs> Federation where he would beat opponents with a leg drop. Yeah, you so, know. No not taking deal. anything away from Taker. Just saying, you know. Yeah. So, but although Hogan is on the other channel, you know, killing it with the NWO. So maybe they'll just forget Yeah, a little jab him. at him right there. Uh, but then uh, uh, Jerry Lawler offers to do one to Jr. He's like, I've never seen anybody deliver the leg drop like the Undertaker. With all that height and that great velocity... You ever seen mine? Uh, no. Let me show you guys one. 
Lay down there, Ross. Yeah, right, King. Yeah, the leg drop doesn't quite finish him off. Uh, Vader uh, ends up crotching the Undertaker on his on the old school and, and taking over there. Um, man, uh, and as I'm watching this, I'm, I'm thinking this match is a little bit slow uh, to yeah. me. Um, I feel like Vader. You know, we've talked a little bit about his his run in WWF, and you know, it's not that great, but. Uh, I think part of the problem is I always feel like Vader works better with smaller guys. Like yeah. he, he does his best when he's the giant against Sting or even against Shawn Michaels in that match at SummerSlam when he gets to be the giant and, and the small guy gets to be the underdog coming back against him, which is why... I him and like, Cactus Jack. Yeah. Yeah, even that. Yeah. Uh, the stuff with The Undertaker, it's just not quite as effective, man. Vader's not the best when yeah. he's facing another big guy. Uh, it doesn't work as well. That's true, you know, but you know Vince is that got to get the big guy versus the big guy match. He loves that spectacle, so yeah. But I I agree completely with you, man. Vader's much better uh, when he's the bully heel beating up the small guy. So yeah, but I think the reason, like you know, because this match is kind of dragging on a little bit, we get a little picture in picture with Todd Pettengill, <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> he, "This is ridiculous." He goes to a fan in the arena claiming that she saved money from babysitting for a year. Just to come and see Shawn Michaels. All right, guys, this is Summer Bishop from Minnesota. Wait until you hear what she did to get here tonight. Tell everybody. Um, last summer, I saved up my money to come. I follow Shawn Michaels everywhere he goes. And you follow him everywhere. You saved your money doing what? Babysitting. Baby, how long did it take you? How many babies did you have to sit? Since the end of the summer, during the school year, I started babysitting and I got the money to come here. A lot of stories out yeah, here. Last year she came from Alaska. Back to you guys. <laughs> wow, thank you. And meanwhile, Vader pummeling yeah. the Undertaker. Yeah, Vader's pounding the Undertaker and Pettengill's talking about babysitting. Give me a break. Could you imagine if they treated Roman Reigns this way at this point in this day? Yeah. I mean, even Satan, like, the crowd would hate him. Like, what the heck? Who was this girl? Why did? Yeah. Why was her? So she was clearly like not ready to be interviewed. She barely talked. She was terrified <laughs> to be on TV. Like, why did they pick her out? Why is oh, Scott Pettengill? Yeah. Is he? I mean, is he trying to hit on this little girl? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to spread rumors about Todd Pettengill or anything, but uh, I don't know, man. This whole thing is re- really weird. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. Maybe. He's looking, maybe he's looking for a babysitter for his kids. I don't Who know. Knows, man. Anyway, but yeah, I thought that was just interesting. Interesting. So again, the match is dragging on, but now we're going back to the match. Vader's in control. Does a second rope close on? Then he hits a nerve hold. Yeah. Um, and at this point, uh, something I want to reiterate that we keep saying is Undertaker sells so well, man. Again, it, a nerve hold is such a dull move to see, especially you know in the '80s it was fine, early '90s, but now we're moving into a little bit more athletic style. You know, you got quick guys like Brett and Sean. But Undertaker sells so well in this nerve hold. It makes you feel like it's a legit thing, you know? It's really cool. He yeah. sells so well. And he comes alive. The flurry of punches, man. Just boom, 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 right in the gut. And it's a back suplex, which is awesome, too. Yeah, he does. Uh, he fights up huge. He's a big flurry. Um, while he's down, uh, or JR keeps selling that uh, Cornette and Vader uh, may not be associated anymore. Cornette's not out there. He doesn't know uh, what's happened between them. But uh, it may be that Jim, Jim Cornette and Vader uh, are not together anymore, which they've been together for a year since Vader came in uh, around last year's Royal Rumble. So uh, building up what we're going to see here towards the end of this match. Um, and then it, they also, um, 
I think it was somewhere before this, but Vader also blatantly hits a low blow right yeah, in front of the referee. Yeah. <laughs> like, should have been disqualified, yep. but just hits a low blow on Taker right yes. in front of the referee just has to ignore. Um, But yeah, like you said, Undertaker well, that was up. That was right before the picture-in-picture. Picture. Oh, that's probably why. So maybe the ref was paying attention to the girl in the audience. That's right. It was he is a low blow, and they cut to the picture in picture. So maybe that was <laughs> maybe that was the the sell. I don't um, know. Undertaker misses an elbow drop, and uh, that allows Vader to head up to the second rope. And Taker hops up and hits an awesome power slam, just like hulking Vader up and yeah. slamming him across the ring. It was really really cool. All his girth. Yeah, using able it. to pick all his girth. Yeah, cool power slam. It was really neat. And then Vader hits a power bomb. Okay, a power bomb, and Vince is like, "Oh, Vader with a Vader bomb," <laughs> and that's not it. And I just wrote like, "Oops!" And he kicks out. Uh, Undertaker does again. The Vader bomb is a well-established move. It's the splash from the second rope. It's like Yokozuna's bonsai drop almost, except he's not going to sit on you. He lands on you with like his stomach. So, a power bomb is not a Vader bomb just no. because Vader does a power bomb. <laughs> but then again, it made me think like. Well, maybe that's why, like, oh, the Batista bomb. Batista's mm. power bomb. Batista bomb. So that's True. what, I guess that's how um, Vince names his move. <laughs> anyway. It, um, is a, it is an ugly, I think later ugly power bomb, too. One. Yeah. He, he barely gets Undertaker yeah, up, yeah. man. It's yeah. not the it best nasty. one. Um, no. So that does a little damage, but Undertaker's able to hop up, uh, uh, turn the momentum around, hit the clothesline, hit the old school, and then... You see the old uh, trademark wrestling thing where everyone in the audience turns their heads yep. <laughs> in the whole arena so you know something's about to happen. And uh, none other than Paul Bearer, man, can't stay away from The Undertaker, can't get yep. away from that feud, uh, can't let things go with him. Paul Bearer making his way down the aisle uh, to come out and have some uh, – uh, have a front, a front row seat to the end of this match, yeah. uh, if you will. Yeah, he comes down with the urn again. Still has the urn with him, and Undertaker choke slams Vader here. And then um, is this where Taker rolls out and just kind of hits Paul Bearer? Yeah, he, he starts backflips out of the ring and just yeah. <laughs> knocks out Paul Bearer. Man, that's yeah. great. Yeah, Love and Vince it. says, you know, uh, finally Undertaker's getting some revenge here. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, and he then gets a choke, the big fat neck. Is why they say he's choked him on the big fat neck. Oh, it's just weird. I'm just know. yeah. Paul Bear is scampering around the ring, running away from Undertaker, and it's like you said, like Vince says, this is the first time Paul Bear has really, or excuse me, Undertaker's really gotten his hands on Paul Bearer. And yeah. I just wrote down, where is the crowd, man? Like they're yeah, not popping for this. It's weird. No. Like I, I was shocked, like uh, because Undertaker's finally beaten up Paul Bear after all these months of their feud, and the crowd. It's like couldn't care less about it. It was it was weird. Yeah, it was strange. I I think just they dragged it on too long, man, yeah. with the shark cage and the buried alive and the Armageddon rules and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, just I agree. I agree. Dragged it out a little bit too much. Yeah, a really cool spot here though is Undertaker runs and jumps off the stairs as like he it's just really out of nowhere. He just runs and jumps like use the stairs as like a you know, springboard, jumps off of him and uh Paul Bear pulls Fader out of the way. And the Undertaker hits himself on the guardrail, which Vincent Mann says he impales himself on the guardrail. That's what I wanted to bring up, man. Uh, I believe I'm. I'm yeah. not Merriam-Webster. Doesn't that mean you like pierce through your body? Yeah, it goes like, through the, you. Yeah. 
Like, oh. He did not impale himself, ladies and gentlemen. It did not go through his gut. No. Not blood anywhere. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Vince McMahon, maybe that was also on his word of the day, impale, and I forgot the definition the of that one. He does. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so after Undertaker impales himself on the railing, uh, Paul Bearer gets a high spot, man. Yeah, best part of the match right here. The flying bearer uh, stands up on the apron, holds the urn up over his head, and dives off the apron on the Undertaker, whacks him in the head with it, and then just falls over backwards. <laughs> it's just like, uh, it was awesome, man. Because of his girth. Because yeah. of his girth, when he lands on the ground, he can't keep his body steady. He just tumbles. <laughs> I don't know and how I he guess... didn't roll his ankle or break his leg or something, man. <laughs> what was he thinking? Too bad he didn't have a helmet like mankind, you know? <laughs> he needed a helmet so he didn't hit his head. But, uh, yeah, man, that was my favorite spot. Of Me match. too. Paul, Paul Bear coming it, off the apron. And it looked ridiculous, but it's effective because yeah. Vader is able to roll him in, hit the real Vader bomb, uh, hook the leg and get the pinfall over the Undertaker. Yes. 13 minutes, 19 seconds there. Yep. Gets a pinfall. So, yeah. Thanks to Paul Bear and his, uh, I'd, I'd call this the cow splash, isn't that, or whatever. <laughs> the flying what cow. The, flying cow. Yeah. This is more of a flying cow to Oh, me. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, now the, now Paul Bear has got a, a bomb. Uh, new protege in Vader. Uh, Jim Cornette uh, has, mm-hmm. Uh, is out of the picture. Paul Bear now managing Vader. Uh, I believe either Jim Ross or Mr. Man calls it a new match made in hell, uh, putting Paul Bear <laughs> with Vader. So, uh, yeah, he's dropped the Executioner and now going to be managing Mankind and Vader heading forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Moving on his way through the, the uh, bad guys, you know, to, right. to fight with Undertaker. So Undertaker kind of comes to after the pinfall and – yeah. Uh, He's glaring at the referee like he's angry, you know. He's pissed. And uh, gets yeah. in his face and actually winds up chokeslamming him. Uh, chokeslams this referee like a bag of sand because this referee does not know how to take him off. I don't remember which referee. Yeah, he just hoists him up and slams him down. But he's ticked off, man, here in Vince. Rightfully yeah. so. Yeah, he's ticked and Vince angry. Oh, yeah. Because it was a DQ. It should have been DQ, you know. Yeah, well, multiple the times. Blow, yeah. Between the low blow, the earn shot, and all that stuff, should have been he should have not have lost that Royal Rumble, but he does. But Undertaker is kicking stuff and slamming chairs at ringside, and he goes over to Vince McMahon, points his finger in his face, and says, "There's a storm headed toward the World Wrestling Federation." And his name is the Undertaker. And a lot of anger and emotion as he leaves, and he's talking to the camera, jaw jacking on the way up the ramp too. Yeah, so. I mean, we've made fun of the commentary talking about new sides of the Undertaker all these different times. And yeah. This really is, man. Like, And this is yeah. <laughs> kind of the storyline of the WWF for the next few months is it's kind of devolving into chaos. And we're going to see that in the Royal yep. Rumble itself where the referees can't handle things. We're going to start to see that on Raw every week. Uh, it's going to be a huge part of why Bret Hart turns heel. He keeps thinking he's getting screwed. There's just this lawlessness that is coming in to the World Wrestling Federation. And we see The Undertaker getting pissed off about it here and you know yelling at Vince McMahon. You know, like, uh, like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and, and Stone Cold are going to be doing soon. So we're starting to see... Uh, the Vince McMahon character start to evolve and become more than an on-screen announcer, start to acknowledge yeah. more of his actual role in the company, that realism aspect. So really, really interesting finish to the match year and evolution to the Undertaker's character. Uh, you know, it's a, 
it's an okay match. Um, like I said, Vader, yeah. I think, you know, in my opinion, and I'll talk about this more next month or next week on next week's episode. Uh, well, two weeks from now. Anyway, on the final four episode, I think Vader <laughs> deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and oh, absolutely. Based a lot on what happens in the final four match. But it, this match is not the best example of it. He, uh, it, like I said, he doesn't work his best with the bigger guys. He works better with smaller guys. But you know, it's okay, and, and uh, it's an interesting story being told here. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good stuff. You know, story again. You and I are suckers for storytelling, and this is definitely telling story. And man, I, I'm glad you pointed out that lawlessness is exactly what seems like permeating the World Wrestling Federation, and it's it's got to be a response to the New World Order, right? I mean, it yeah, has to be. I think so. You know, you got, you know, everyone's like, oh, the Mr. McMahon character is so good. Well, Eric Bischoff was the on-air authority figure first. Right. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give credit where credit's due. Eric Bischoff was the guy in charge that was the heel, you know, running roughshod with his lackeys, you know, over the, you know, the baby faces. Vince McMahon's character was born out of that, in my opinion. And all this lawlessness, everybody whining and, and complaining and being more, quote-unquote, real and authentic, blurring the lines. It's got to all come from the New World Order, you know, the NWO and, and how gritty and real that seemed, you know? But, Vince McMahon and the WWF did it better than anybody else, yeah. but you can't always yeah. say they were original about it. And, no. I mean, you got to <laughs> – you know your history. And, you know, they won the yeah. war and they get to rewrite the history, but – you know, so they lost much other stuff. Battles. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. And they yeah. weren't always original with their ideas. And right. you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. So that wraps up this uh, episode of Talking Taker here. If you guys were there, let us know. If you were the Almodo, if you were the girl who had <laughs> her babysitting money. We got to find her. Yeah. Just to see uh, how does Pat Patterson say Sean Michael uh, at the Royal Rumble. Please. Twitter, hit us up on Twitter at Talk to Taker. I believe her name was Sarah Bishop. We got to find her. Uh, that's our new new mission here on Talking Taker. I mean, there's <laughs> seventy something thousand people there. One of you has to be listening to our show. Hopefully, sure. Uh, sure. We appreciate everybody out there listening uh, on uh, all our different ways of listening: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Podbean. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, man, that's the best way so you don't miss an episode. Hit subscribe on any or all of those various services and get it downloaded right to your phone or computer or wherever you have it, tablet, all that good stuff. Uh, we appreciate your feedback. Uh, if you want to go leave us a rating, uh, that would be awesome on any of those services, a comment or anything like that. And of course, follow us at Talking Taker on Twitter, on Facebook, and uh, we've had a great response on Instagram so far. We're just at Talking Taker on Instagram. Uh, I've been trying to post some images and stuff on there, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff of the podcast as well. So uh, we'd love to interact with you, get connected with all of our fellow Undertaker fans and just old-school wrestling fans. It's one of the funnest parts of this. One last shout-out to one of those followers. He is at backland 4 Prez. Backland for P-R-E-Z on Twitter, Gino McManican. Uh, I've getting a lot of comments and tweets from him lately. He's been plugging the show. He's been going through all the episodes and giving us his feedback over there on Twitter. So thanks for listening, Gino McManican. Thanks for all the plugs. Go follow him if you haven't already. And, of course, got to give one final shout-out to Pro Wrestling Wednesdays at PWW929 on Twitter. You can listen to him on 92.9 The Game here in Atlanta. Thanks for the WrestleMania tickets. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Bo LeBlanc. Had so much fun the other night. Thank you so much for providing the tickets to WrestleMania. We can't wait to go. As far as next week goes, 
This was not The Undertaker's only match here at Royal Rumble 1997. He is going to compete in the Royal Rumble itself. So uh, we're going to experiment a little bit next week here on the podcast. And it could be a one-time deal, uh, or maybe we'll do it more often if you guys like it. Yeah. Uh, so if we- it goes over like a turd in a punch bowl, we won't do it again. <laughs> yeah, so. that's right. Uh, but we want to do something fun and different. So a couple weeks ago when Travis was here visiting me uh, in Atlanta, we did our very own watch-along for the 1997 Royal Rumble match itself, all 60 minutes of it. Uh, we did our own alternate commentary for the Royal Rumble. So we're <laughs> With gonna... no notes. No notes no at notes. all. <laughs> yeah, we actually hadn't watched all this build-up. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we just had some fun with it, uh, tried, to, tried to be silly, tried to be goofy, uh, tried to offer a little commentary. Um, so we're going to throw that out there on the feed next week. So we're going to encourage you to... Uh, queue up the WWE Network and watch the Royal Rumble along with us with our alternate commentary. Uh, if you absolutely hate it, then let us know. If you love it and enjoy it, then let us know that as well. Uh, even if you don't watch it along with us, uh, you can still play it as a normal episode of the podcast sure. and it'll work as that as well, but it'll be more fun if you do get to watch along with us. And uh, who knows? It might. Uh, we just thought it would be fun for the Royal Rumble since... You know, it's not. Uh, it's a little bit different than the Undertaker's normal matches. Gives us a chance to yeah. riff and, and talk about some other stuff. So we had fun with it. We hope that you guys have fun with it, and that'll be in your podcast feed next Friday on Talking Taker. And then the week after that, we will move on to February in your house, 1997 in your house final four. And of course, the Royal Rumble match itself plays into why in your house final four happens. Exactly. So, there it you all go. makes sense. <laughs> And other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. Top 10 kill, ladies and gentlemen. Somewhere in this mass of humanity, along with, the, oh my goodness, country western superstars, Colin Ray. Been superstars in the squared circle, and right here, Colin Ray, Little Rock. I listen to you, man. How you doing? It's good to see you, Todd. Famous country singer right here. How you enjoying things? Oh, man, this is wonderful. I'm so glad that uh, the Royal Rumble's in my home state down here in Texas. I don't have to go all the way to the East Coast to see it, you know? Come on, sing a little bit. Sing a little bit. Yeah. Which one? Little Rock. I think I'm on a roll here in San Antonio. (laughs) It's changed the world. We're in San Antonio. Colin Ray, let's get back to ringside. Thank you, Todd. Mettengill, send him over here and let him autograph Jim Ross's hat. 